Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. And I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow with the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Bob Rommel. He is a state representative. He's made a nice gesture of uh, giving uh, a month of his salary as a uh, representative, state representative, to St. Matthew's House. We'll find out why. We'll also visit with Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? And Dave Beagle is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Weekly guests on the show will be talking about uh, what's happening with unions and other things uh, with Dave, The Devil at Our Doorstep. It is April the 17th, and on this day in 1790, American statesman, printer, scientist, and writer Benjamin Franklin died in Philadelphia at the age of 84. 84 was a ripe old age back in the day. He was born in Boston in 1706. He became, at 12 years of age, an apprentice for his half-brother James, a printer and publisher. He learned the printing trade and in 1723 went to Philadelphia to work after a dispute with his brother. After a sojourn in London, he started a printing and publishing press with a friend in 1728. In 1729, the company won a contract to publish Pennsylvania's paper currency and also began publishing the Pennsylvania Gazette, which was regarded as one of the better colonial newspapers. From 1732 to 1757, he wrote and published Poor Richard's Almanac, an instructive and humorous periodical in which Franklin coined such practical proverbs as God helps those who help themselves, Early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, and so forth. You remember all those. Also, his wealth and prestige grew. Franklin uh, took on great civic responsibilities in Philadelphia and helped establish the city's first circulating library, first police force, volunteer fire company, an academy that became the University of Pennsylvania. From 1737 to 53, he was postmaster of Philadelphia and during that time also served as clerk of the Pennsylvania legislature. In 1753, he became a deputy postmaster general and in charge of mail in all the northern colonies. Deeply interested in science and technology, he invented the Franklin stove, which is still manufactured today, bifocal eyeglasses, also another practical invention. In 1748, he turned his printing business over to his partner, so he for his experiments. The phenomenon of electricity fascinated him. In a dramatic experiment, he flew a kite in a thunderstorm to prove that lightning is an electrical discharge. He later invented the lightning rod. Many, many terms used uh, to discuss electricity, like positive, negative, battery, and conductor, were coined by Franklin in his scientific papers. He was the first American scientist to be highly regarded in European scientific cir circles. Franklin was active in colonial affairs and in 1754 proposed the union of the colonies, which was rejected by Britain. In 1757, he went to London to argue for the right to tax the massive estates of the Penn family in Pennsylvania. And in 1764, went again to ask for a new charter for Pennsylvania. He was in England when the Parliament passed the Stamp Act, a taxation measure to raise revenues for standing British Army in America. His initial failure to actively oppose the controversial act drew wide criticism in the colonies, but he soon redeemed himself by stoutly defending uh, the American rights before the House of Commons. With tensions between the American colonies and Britain rising, he stayed on in London and served as the agent for several colonies. In 1775, he returned to America as the American Revolution approached and was a delegate at the Continental Congress. In 1776, he helped draft the Declaration of Independence and in July signed the final document. Ironically, Franklin's illegitimate son, William Franklin, whom Franklin and his wife had raised, had the same time emerged as a leader of the Loyalists. In 1776, Congress sent Benjamin Franklin, one of the embattled United States' most prominent statesmen, to France as a diplomat. Warmly embraced, he succeeded, and in 1778 secured two treaties that provided Americans with significant military and economic aid. In 1781, with French help, the British were defeated. With John Jay and John Adams, Franklin 
was then negotiated the Treaty of Paris with Britain, which was signed in 1783, of course, of course which ended up being the, the peace agreement between Britain and the United States. In 1785, he returned to the United States, and in his last great public service, he was a delegate to the Constitutional Convention of 1787 and worked hard for the document's ratification. After his death in 1790, only three years later, Philadelphia gave him the largest funeral the city had ever seen. Benjamin Franklin died on this day, 1790. Such an interesting story. Well, the total number of confirmed COVID-19 cases in Collier County has grown to 416. We also experienced our fifth death. It is a 32-year-old female who did not have a recent travel history. I'm just suspicious. I wonder if it really was from COVID-19. Anyhow, U.S. stock futures are signaling a strong start to Friday's session, adding to the momentum seen yesterday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up more than 700 points, or 3%, uh, this morning at about 6 a.m. <clears throat> Earlier in the evening, President Trump outlined the early-stage phase approach uh, as part of the Opening Up America Again coronavirus comeback plan, and there was also positive news from Gilead Sciences. A recent clinical trial of Redemzivir, an antiviral medicine used as a potential treatment for Ebola, uh, found rapid recoveries in coronavirus patients, fever, and respiratory syndrome, uh, symptoms. The trial conducted by the University of Chicago Medicine found nearly all patients who were given daily infusions of this drug were discharged from the hospital in less than a week. That's really good news. Also, the Labor Department reported initial jobless claims of 5.25 million for the week. That's uh, up to 22 million now, about one in seven workers out of work right now. This is serious. We've got to get back to work. President Trump announced on Thursday the White House plan for eventually rolling back social distancing measures and reopening the country's uh, economy in several phases, depending on the location amid the coronavirus pandemic. The plan calls for three phases in, to reopen the country based on the severity of the coronavirus outbreak in each individual state or region, actually going by counties. We can be begin the next front in our war, which we are calling opening up America again, Trump said during his brief uh, briefing at the White House. To preserve our health of the Americans, we must preserve the health of our economy. So true. The plan which Trump outlined, announced along with the formation of the bipartisan Council of Lawmakers from both chambers of Congress, outlined recommendations for governors to develop their own plans to reopen it also includes a number of criteria that must be met in terms of numbers of infections and hospitalizations before they can open up. The Opening Up America Again plan was signed off on by uh, Burks and Fauci. Robert Redfield, who's uh, all the head of the CDC, it's a data-driven approach with governors taking the helm in deciding down to the county level how they will reopen their states, the White House said. Phase one is for areas of the country who solely satisfy the criteria laid out by the White House and calls for social distancing to remain in place, avoiding gatherings of more than 10 folks and avoiding unnecessary travel. Phase two, which is for regions that have met the criteria twice and have not seen a rebound in the infections, still calls for residents to practice social distancing and try to avoid large gatherings, but opens up the possibility of resuming non-essential travel. And the third phase, which is for areas that have met the criteria three times and have no rebounds of the virus, is the most open and allows vulnerable parts of the population to go back in public, open back up gyms, bars, resuming full-time staffing at work sites, and letting people head back to large venues like restaurants, movie theaters, churches, and sports venues, albeit at a reduced capacity. Many governors have plans in place. I checked out the website in uh, Florida. The governor of uh, Florida, DeSantis, hasn't opened up yet and said what he'd like to do, which I think is a good thing. He's not uh, chomping at the bit like some of the other governors. He's uh, probably considering carefully what he'd like to do and when he'd like to do it, which is good. Other governors, of course, are chomping at the bit and making decisions immediately. Several governors in the Midwest have decided to work together, as have some in the East, uh, the Small Business Administration, by the way, <clears throat> oh, I should mention that Nancy Pelosi made this comment. The White House's vague and inconsistent document does nothing to make up for the president's failure to listen to the scientists and produce and distribute national rapid testing, she said. That's very helpful, Madam Speaker. 
the small business, and this is Small Business Administration's Rescue Loan Program, hit its $349 billion limit on Thursday, and it's now out of money as the nation's top Republicans and Democrats struggle to agree on how to restore its funds. So, uh, Madam Speaker, you can get to work on that. The SBA uh, web website read that it's unable to accept new applications because they've, uh, in so many words, run out of money. Uh, the SBA uh, announced on Thursday it comes scores of small American businesses owners work to deal with the fallout of the uh, virus and the pandemic. And moved in there. Of course, many businesses are facing shuttering if they don't get money. So maybe the Speaker of the House should get some small business financing legislation passed rather than criticizing the president's plan, in my view. By the way, we spoke about Gilead Sciences' advancement in COVID-19 treatment. Well, there's also an emergency use authorization was granted by federal health authorities for the first coronavirus test that relies on saliva samples. And initially, it's going to be released only to healthcare professionals. But ultimately, it would be great, wouldn't it, if we all had a test that we could take uh, right in our own homes to see how we're doing? Uh, that could be uh, coming up in the future. Let's hope that new saliva test works and it's available throughout the country soon. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Coming up, I'm going to visit with William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore's unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Gulf Shore Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Well, of course, that's after this pandemic is over. The next season is planned, and you can find out more by visiting the website, Gulf Shore Playhouse. 
org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Rommel, our state representative. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a research fellow with the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Well, we're a, a, a think tank in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to promoting the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Terrific organization. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. So, William, we're watching, as in your constitutional expert and an attorney, it's just kind of interesting to watch uh, what's happening right now. Let's just start with some of the governors in there, I, what I believe is their constitutional overreach. Uh, Whitmer in Michigan has decided, well, uh, that, uh, for example, that uh, they people can't buy seeds, uh, they can uh, buy liquor. I mean, she's made all kinds of uh, uh, decisions. And uh, a group of sheriffs have said, hey, we're not going to enforce some of these rules because we've uh, agreed to uphold the Constitution and she's overstepping her bounds. What are your thoughts? Well, three cheers for the sheriffs. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, just as sort of in the, in the wake of 9-11, that tragedy, um, how national security became sort of this buzzword that justified a lot of government action that perhaps infringed, or I would argue in many instances did infringe in, in our constitutional liberties. The same thing is, is happening, um, albeit at the state level, with this uh, uh, coronavirus stuff. And instead of, of quote-unquote, national security, the, the new bugaboo is public health. And by no means am I diminishing the crisis at hand. Right. And by no means am I disputing the fact that uh, executives, governors, um, within our system and, and with, you know, a federalism whereby, you know, these states have constitutions too. Um, so these governors do have latitude and authorities they otherwise wouldn't in times of crises. However, we're seeing some instances whereby they're running roughshod, sort of plainly so, and, and, and defying even not just constitutional principles, but common sense. And the Michigan governor would be an excellent example. I mean, my wife, who rarely gets outraged about politics, was outraged when she learned that the governor had banned sales of car seats for children. I mean, my wife, rightfully so, thought that was just so backwards. I mean, you're basically putting people in harm's way. Um, the governor of Rhode Island, your listeners might remember, Anyone from out of state, initially it was just uh, New Yorkers, but eventually it was, it was in all 49 other states other than um, um, Rhode Island. If you travel through the state, you're automatically quarantined for two weeks. I mean, this is America in right. 2020. I mean, that just blows my mind. So I am all for um, these sheriffs, they're public officials. They, too, are bound to uphold the Constitution. I'm doing a little bit of pushback here and sort of saying, you know, wait a second here, where it so blatantly defies not just constitutional principles, but indeed common sense, um, we're not going to enforce it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the interview of the uh, governor of New Jersey by Tucker Carlson the other night. It was such an artful interview, but he asked... Uh, he asked the governor, said, well, did you, what about the Bill of Rights? And the governor said, well, I frankly didn't even consider the Bill of Rights when I made these decisions. <laughs> I saw that. That was just remarkable. And, and again, in 2020, I mean, to that, no one said anything to that effect in the wake of 9-11, which I would, you know, again, a serious tragedy. Um, we're seeing in the name of public health all sorts of, of comments to that end and all sorts of actions to that end uh, at the gubernatorial level. Um, I'll use that to segue to, to give uh, President Trump a bit of credit. Um, you know, he, he talked earlier this week about having total power at a press conference and has exploded inside the Beltway. Yeah. Um, at the time, he never attached a policy to that. I, mean, I remember thinking, you know, when I heard that, um, that's Trump being Trump. Of course, I disagree that the president has total power, but that just seems to be bluster. I mean, he didn't actually advance a policy. Right. And lo and behold, what happens 48 hours later, uh, you know, or I guess it was last evening, um, the president sets forth his plan to get the country back up and running. And what is the essence of his plan? To let governors call the shots. Yeah. Um, so you know, that is something, I guess, uh, with that initial circuitous fashion, that's what I wanted to praise. I mean, ultimately, notwithstanding some abuses we're seeing, um, that's the appropriate uh, the level of restraint uh, when it comes to executive power. So exactly. my hat's off to President Trump, notwithstanding his rhetoric. 
um, you know, that's the way to do it. Well, you know, President Trump, what I've learned is you can uh, listen to what he says, and then occasionally he'll, he'll make a statement. I think his statement was, I have absolute power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something to that effect. Something to that effect. But you, know, have to, you have to watch what he does, not necessarily listen to what he says. And what he does is usually right on, in my opinion. It is, well, I'll say here, and I've noted it before a number of times, uh, you know, in our weekly discussions, he's not perfect when it, when it comes to these matters. I mean, it's a mixed bag. I, yeah. I use often the example of, of when kind of subverting the congressional power of the purse to get his wall funding. But on this one, I think both his instincts are good. I, too, want to get the country back up and running. And I think his execution was good. I mean, in terms of deferring these decisions to governors, notwithstanding the examples of uh, perhaps overreach that we discussed earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think on both counts, Trump is doing pretty well. I agree with that. Now, and uh, I, I want to just underscore the importance of the crisis that we're in right now. One in seven people are out of work right now. Twenty-two million folks have lost their jobs or are unemployed right now. I tell you, our economy is tanking. If we don't get things going here quickly, I mean, we could be in a, in a sustained depression for years to come. I'm just grateful that he's at the, you know, at the at the helm and and leading us in this way. We have to get back to work. You, you I'll say this. Um, there's two. There's, there's a flip side of the coin of all these public health policies. You know, yes, on the one hand, we're protecting people from coronavirus. Mm. On the other hand, the economic harm does cause harm to public health. Mm. I mean, you lose your job, you lose your health insurance, you lose your self confidence. Um, there's all sorts of, of horrible consequences to the, the economy going into the tank. So I, I, I'm glad that you, you said that, and I hope that people keep that, that in mind. I mean, yes, that we're doing things that are necessary now to protect people from you know, a clear and present danger. However, there are costs, and those costs entail public health or deleterious to public health as well. Absolutely. And, uh... You know, there's life is risky. You have to take risks in life. And one of the, I saw one, uh, co- some commentary that suggested that just living your life in America is a little bit more risky than coronavirus because I mean you can die from a heart attack, you can die from cancer, a number of things, uh, where we'll have substantially more deaths than we'll have from the coronavirus. And I'm not suggesting. Look, this thing is very contagious, and I get that. But uh, you know, we need to get. We just have to get back to work. So. Uh, William, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show, and I just want to uh, refer our listeners to your website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. By the way, uh, you're working at home now, aren't you, Remote, working remotely? Alas, indeed. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm quite certain you're eager. Are the natives are getting a little restless up, up there, aren't well, they? We've been restless. <laughs> this bird has been cooped up for too long. I'd like to fly. <laughs> okay. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Rommel. Bob is a uh, state representative, uh, actually, for District 109, which I believe is our district. We're going to visit with Bob that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, Blue Provence offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. During the governor's stay-at-home notice, Blue Provence is offering pick-up curbside takeout options five nights a week, Tuesday through Saturday. To place an order, just call 261-8239 Tuesday through Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m. A 20% discount will be applied on all food orders during these unprecedented times. Compliment your order with amazing wines from the Blue Provence Retail Wine Store, offering amazing choice and value. Blue Provence Wine Store is open Monday to Saturday, 9 to 12 p.m., and has one of the most eclectic and fun wine cellars offering 10% off cases. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. 
Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. One of the uh, initiatives there is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Well, of course, the pandemic hit, and that's put on pause. But a terrific organization. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? Right now we have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Bob Rommel. Bob is a former a successful businessman. He sold his business. He's now our state representative. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob, and thank you for having me on. Oh, my pleasure, Bob. Well, I was so impressed. I saw that you uh, made an announcement, a press release from St. Matthew's House, that you donated a month's salary from being a state representative to St. Matthew's House uh, to support uh, their efforts right now during this pandemic, which uh, I think is just great. It's a matching gift. If I'm not mistaken, you're matching uh, up to the the amount of that uh, for others that might give to St. Matthew's House. So thank you for that. Tell us well, about it. Uh, well, you're welcome, Bob. Um, you know, it, I, I don't want to take full credit for it. I mean, I did write the check, and it's mine. But uh, I was uh, challenged by another House member, J.R. Williamson, who's up in the panhandle. Mm. And he said, you know what, I'm going to challenge anybody in the Florida representatives that would like to give their salary for April to any charity of choice. And as soon as I read it, I said, in. And I think so far we have six uh, state reps from around the state that have donated to their charity of choice. Um, so for me, uh, it was a no-brainer. I chose St. Matthew House. Um, you know, I knew that they helped feed the, you know, feed the community in need. And mm-hmm. uh, But, you know, one of the big things they do in our community are treat those with uh, drug and alcohol problems. And, you know, when you go to their program, it's kind of cold turkey, and you have to go there to... Do do your job or you're out, and they're very successful. Yeah, they are indeed. Uh, St. Matthew's has a terrific organization. Absolutely no government funding. Uh, they the, right now they're feeding families and people that are out of work, and I think that's gone from about 500 a day to up to over 600 a day that, that they're providing sustenance. People that are uh, in harm's way, the the homeless. They support the homeless. They help people with addiction problems. They have, and what's great about it, as you're pointing out, is there's accountability. If when you go into the program, uh, you're not going into the program for a sustained period of uh, staying at St. Matthew's House. They're going to get you back on your feet, help you find a job, help you get through your addiction, and get you uh, back to work and uh, you know taking care of yourself, which I think is a great thing. You know, in organizations like St. Matthew's House and other great charities around our country, you know, they're so important in our community all the time, but in times of need, we really need them. But uh, in times of need, I think some people, I mean, we're going through this tragedy and sometimes people forget to give to charities. And government can't do this alone. We need organizations like St. Matthew House, the Salvation Army, and other great organizations to help us get through this because when all of a sudden, literally one day, the world stops and half the population is not working, um, it, it's all hands on deck, and without organizations like that, we couldn't make it. 
you know, and, and the fact of the matter is in your family, uh, if you're out of work, it's not like you're 100% out of work. <laughs> it's not like a statistic. So you, you have to take care of your family. And uh, just so grateful that St. Matthew's House is doing that. I want to refer our listeners uh, to, the, to the website, stmatthewshouse.org, stmatthewshouse.org. And your point is so valid. I mean, right now is a time where I think we're all kind of... Uh, trying to hoard a little bit of our resources because we don't want to run out on on one hand. On the other hand, there's so many people that are so less fortunate that we are. It's a time to perhaps demonstrate some generosity and help those in need. No, it's, uh, it is important. I mean, the only way to get through this, because, you know, whenever we get back to where we'll have businesses open, it's still, it's not going to be like a pipe that was broke. You mended the pipe and let the water flow like crazy. Yeah. Uh, people are going to be fearful of going to restaurants, uh, going to ballparks, getting yeah. on airplanes. And whether it's rightfully so or not, but that's the reality is what's going to happen. The, the world has definitely changed. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get back to normal. And, you know, we were terrified in the beginning because we weren't sure exactly, exactly, you know, the outcome of this virus. And it's bad, but it's not what we were told, you know, we were told millions of people were going to die in the United States. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of people dying. I mean, it's, it's terrible, but it's not what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Now, here in Collier County, there's about 350,000 people. And I can actually pull up today's stats right now. If you hold on one second, uh, we have 356 people that have been, um, tested positive for it right now. Yeah. yeah. And for every hundred people that are tested, about 10 are positive. So, you know, when, you know, we, we go to the grocery store, I don't think, you, ha- you know, you have to be careful, but the person next to you probably doesn't have it. That's um, right. You know, so it's bad, but it's not what we thought it was going to be. And thank God we took the steps to, uh, to mitigate, you know, the, how bad it was, but we have to get back to work. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I checked out the website, the Florida website, to see if the governor had made any announcements because some governors are already chomping at the bit and making decisions of what what they want to do in terms of opening. First of all, I want to applaud the governor because of his stay-at-home order, if you will, executive uh, decision order, uh, was, I think, fairly lenient. I was really pleased with it to gather no more gatherings, more than 10, and uh, social distancing and stay-at-home if you can, that kind of thing. It was, uh, it was good, uh, but I, I don't see anything right now where he'd like to take this. Have you seen anything? I haven't, I haven't seen anything at all, but I know he's putting together a committee uh, of business folks, uh, you know, some community leaders, some elected officials, and, you know, he, he wants to talk about it county by county, because certain counties you can probably open a little bit sooner, right? Um, a little bit, you know, more lenient on what uh, businesses could be open, whether or not, uh, you know, state parks can open in certain areas, uh, but I, I know he's looking at it closely, and and I can't speak for him because I haven't talked to him uh, specifically about when, but I think soon we're going to see it. Uh, and I'm glad that it was a stay-at-home order and not a mandatory quarantine, you know, because besides this, you know, we have to protect our republic and we have to repet, uh, protect the Constitution. Uh, you know, you hear these stories of uh, some individuals who think that we need to test every single person in America and right. then track them. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine it. It, it, would, it would just destroy the economy. And the president's absolutely so right because uh, when you have this kind of thing going on and people are losing their job, you have a problem with mental health, you have problems with uh, addiction problems, uh, increased alcohol consumption and drugs and so forth. I mean, there's uh, you have to pick up both ends of the stick, and that's not only public health but also the economy. And uh, I think we're on the precipice. We need to get to work. We need to get this thing going or we're going to lose it. Yeah, I mean the the damage it's done to the economy with a with the stimulus package that the governor uh, the president has given that will help, but the uh, carnage that's going to come from businesses it's going to be real and it's going to it is not going to survive. There's many many businesses that will not survive. Not to be pessimistic, right? But as we saw, most individuals um, they don't have you know they live week to week on their paycheck, and businesses you know they can't survive a month or two or three months with no income. And then when their business opens, if their business is not what it was, it can't survive. I mean, I'm in the restaurant business and, you know, and I really don't know how we're going to come out on the, uh, at the end of this because if business 
if we have to space out tables and only have 50% occupancy, we can't make it. Restaurants, you know, net profit margin are 6 to 10%. That's under your normal business model. If yeah. we have to change business models, it means rents have to change, insurance has to change, salaries have to change. Um, it's, you know, I don't know where it's going to end up, but hopefully people will uh, take precautions. Um, you know, there's a lot of personal responsibility out there, too, if you're one of those that, you know, are vulnerable. If you have cystic fibrosis or COPD, yeah. you know, you have to be extra careful and you have to probably be extra careful every day because the ordinary flu or even a cold could probably be, you know, uh, devastating to you. Well, that's right. Uh, Bob, I, I just uh, so much respect what you're saying because uh, a part of this is just making good decisions, personal decisions. We're all interested in preserving our own personal health as well as our financial well-being. So at some level, we have to start making decisions and uh, getting back to work and, uh, you know, for those that have those problems, stay at home. For those that don't, well, get out here and and uh, and get and get to work. Bob, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. God bless. God bless you as well. And and again, supporting St. Matthew's House. What a terrific thing to do. Again, stmatthewshouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Sharon Kenny. She writes commentary and travel. Dining and Entertainment. She also wrote her own book. It's called Where Should We Eat? That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. As Southwest Florida is impacted by the coronavirus crisis, the organizations that provide relief and support to our community's most vulnerable population are finding their resources stretched. For 32 years, St. Matthew's House has provided food, shelter, and comfort to those struggling with poverty, food insecurity, and homelessness. St. Matthew's House is the only emergency homeless shelter in Cuyahoga County, sheltering more than 300 men, women, and children every night and providing more than 500,000 meals each year to those in need. For those who have shelter but are food insecure, direct assistance is offered through the St. Matthew's House food pantry and grocery distribution. Donations of food, hygiene supplies, detergent, diapers, and monetary support are needed curbside drop-off is available at St. Matthew's House Main Thrift Store at 2601 Airport Road, South Naples. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization that does not solicit government funding. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org or call 239-774-0500. That's 774-0500. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Well, that's uh, next season, of course, because the balance of this season was canceled. But there's great education programs, a new works festival coming up and more. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us Sharon Kenny. As I mentioned before the break, she writes commentary on travel, uh, dining, and entertainment. She also wrote uh, Where Should We Eat? Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning, Bob. Good morning. Friday. Can you tell? What is it? No one knows what day it is anymore. <laughs> yes, I know. And uh, the weekend is coming, but uh, it's more the same, isn't it? <laughs> What's the difference? Yes, it's a, it's a just today. Yeah, it is indeed. So, Sharon, I mean, uh, right now, I think restaurants are having a difficult time, but some, I think, have worked out pretty good programs to help us uh, enjoy dining at home and kind of having a virtual experience in the, in the restaurant. 
Yeah, you know, it's been heartening, I'd say, to see the restaurants um, uh, kind of adapt mm-hmm. to this uh, challenging times. And um, I know, I don't know about you, but one of the things I'm looking forward to when we get back to normal is going out for a lovely dinner and sitting down. And I will never take that for granted again. Yeah. And I've heard that from a lot of people. Maybe that's a little bit of a silver lining here is we're going to start appreciating things more. Yep. And uh, things like going out to eat. But, you know, there's been a lot of restaurants in Naples that have um, been helping out with the community by serving the guests that they have, their customers, but also by providing meals to hospitals. We've been reading a lot of stories about that, providing yes. meals to hospital workers and uh, first responders and to uh, also meals on wheels in, in places that are, a, a, you know, in, in need. And uh, so we can do a shout out for some, and these are some of Naples' re- best restaurants, and so it's really wonderful to see them doing this. So Blue Provence has started takeout, I believe it was last week. Yes. Um, and the wine, you can also order a limited selection of wine, but I hear that the wine is be- is proving to be very popular. Yes, in fact, and, uh, they, um, they're offering a 20% discount off the regular menu, menu prices for takeout at Blue Provence, which is kind of a nice feature. And is there a discount on the wine, too? Uh, I'm not aware of that. Uh, there may be. I just, I'm not aware. I'm not sure. Uh, Alexander's... I hear the wine is very popular. The wine is very... Well, of course, uh, Blue Provence has uh, a five-star rating. I'm not, I've forgotten exactly what it is, but it's one of the rare restaurants in the world to have the kind of rating they have from the Wine Spectator. Yes, absolutely. And then Boet Family Kitchen across the street as well is, um, is offering... Uh, dinners every night for takeout and they i noticed uh, in my inbox today they are offering cassoulet which is a wonderful french uh, bean casserole that's very very difficult to make at home and uh, the wet family kitchen does a lovely job with that and so that's their special this week um uh, which would, would be my choice yeah um also i think we did a shout out for ridgeway uh, tony ridgeway is doing uh, an incredible work what a what a great community member Ridgeway is, and he has been providing meals the entire time without fail um, from his restaurant down there on, off of Third Street. Yeah. Um, also on Third Street is Campiello mm-hmm. is offering meals to go, and I believe D'Amico and Son is as well. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, I've heard that Sales Restaurant, yeah, the lovely restaurant on Fifth and Third, is offering meals to go, and also um, the French and Tulia have been stepping up and providing a lot of meals for customers. Um, and, you know, I, those are, I'm mentioning all my favorite restaurants are all stepping up. Well, let me um, mention... Also La Moraga, yeah, up well, further north. Uh, I'm going to mention also Alexander's. We've had taken uh, gotten takeout from Alexander's, and they do a terrific job as well. Uh, they really got the system down. They had the meal waiting for you. You uh, pick up your meal in different increments so you get, get a specific time that you show up there's somebody with a mask there to give you your meal that's <laughs> in a bag with the gloves it's i mean it's an impeccable process at alexander's and of course great food as well well and some restaurants are also order up offering meals ready to cook so everything ready oh. to go you just cook it at home if you do not want to um have takeout sometimes people don't like food you know sometimes the takeout's cold or whatever Mm -hmm. so i know in miami they're offering a lot of restaurants are offering all the ingredients ready to go cook it at home oh that's kind of interesting which is another option another great restaurant that i know is offering um takeout is fuse uh which is a really uh fun uh fusion american fusion uh restaurant uh down there by uh 41 and and uh not familiar what is that Creech Road, I believe. Not Fuse, it's called. Huh? I've, not, I've not heard of that. Fuse, F-U-S-E. Huh, interesting. So before I let you go, though, I do want to ask you about the travel business, travel industry, and what's going on. I know these, many of these companies have to be really hurting, cruise, airline, commercials, what's, uh, you know, and I know you're on top of this stuff. Uh, any update or any thoughts, any news you can share with us? Well, the issue that a lot of the cruise companies are having right now is um, repatriating a lot of the crew on board the ships um, because, you know, flights have been severely limited and also some of the airlines don't want to take people who, uh, the crew that have been on cruise ships. And uh, so the cruise companies are having to actually charter airplanes 
to get their crew back home, or they are uh, taking the ships and directing them with the crew on board to the Philippines, in particular, and Malaysia, where there are a lot of crew company, crews, uh, crew workers. And uh, then from some places in Malaysia, they are then flying ultimately to where they uh, to the, where they're from. But um, some countries like India are not even accepting their own citizens back. They are closed. They have closed down everything, and they're not even taking back their own citizens. So that's you know very uh, difficult situation. Mm-hmm. A lot of these, I mean, these crew are not testing positive. They're all healthy. And yet they're not even allowed back into their own countries. So that is causing, you know, a lot of problems for the cruise uh, companies who are trying to operate with a minimum number of crew on the ship. Minimum number for an average vessel would be about 150 crew. And, you know, they would have about 1,000 people otherwise. And so, and a lot of the crew on board some of these ships don't want to leave. They'd rather just stay on the ship where they get three meals a day um, and are, you know, in safe and healthy surroundings. So, you know, that's kind of the, they're still in the wind down phase, but they are planning for what's coming next. And uh, we'll see where it goes from here. There certainly will be a staggered opening to the cruise uh, business. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not all going to start sailing right away because then they have to get their crew back from wherever they're going yeah. and uh, get them everything back in order. Yeah, it just makes me wonder if uh, how if there's going to be cruise companies that just do not make it. Of course, what would, many of them have their location, their uh, stationed, their flags are from different countries and uh, therefore won't qualify for any of the relief that's being offered in this $2.2 trillion package. So uh, it's going to be a tough go for a lot of these companies. Certainly the smaller companies, there are going to be some smaller companies that will be struggling. Mm-hmm. The larger cru- cruise companies have all gotten, um, you know, loan guarantees and uh, investments and stuff uh, to keep going. But, yeah, it depends on how long this takes. Yeah. Ultimately, you, you know, they can't survive forever with no revenue coming in. But there are a lot of people that are rebooking. When you had a, a cruise booked on uh, one of the larger lines, you were offered um, that you can get your money back or you can take a future cruise credit. And a lot of people are taking the future cruise credit because it also includes an incentive, um, you know, onboard credit or whatever. And so a lot of people, they want to just keep that money in there. They've already paid it out. They know they want to go when things open up. And that really helps the cruise companies if they don't have to pay a refund, All because right. that's a big drag on their revenues when they've no when they've no money coming in. Uh, you know, I'll end the, our discussion here with this uh, little story. We had a uh, uh, trip planned uh, to uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and we had to cancel it because of the hurricane. So we got credit, and so I called them up and I said, uh, you know, this thing expires here in May, and we're concerned that we'll be able to use this before the, the, the thing expires. So they extended it to September. So <laughs> it, it's so interesting, interesting times that we're having. Sharon, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always great to talk to you, Bob. Hopefully better news next week. That's exactly right. Thank you, Sharon. All right, coming up, Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. 
You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. The website is thefga.org. We have, this, as I mentioned before, the break, Dave Bigo. He's the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. He wrote the book. He's the founder and CEO of Executive Management Services, doing business in over 40 states with over 6,000 employees. Members of SEIU, the leaders, uh, came up to him and said, hey, we want to unionize your shop. We just want you to sign this neutrality agreement. It's easy. Just sign it. That would have given permission for them to go by and sign up his employees. Once they got 50% plus one, they would be unionized. Dave said, nope. If you want to unionize my shop, you can do it through secret ballot. They refused. They proceeded to have a a two-and-a-half-year spat, dirty tricks, over the course of two and a half years, you read this book and you can't even believe what these folks will stoop to do. They finally left after two and a half years, uh, and uh, Dave never unionized uh, with SEIU. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Bob. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Dave. So uh, we're right now in the in the midst of this pandemic. I just wonder if there's any news on the union front. Yeah, there is. It's kind of interesting. The um, the unions are. Uh, trying to take advantage of this, and uh, in many places across the country, uh, they're trying to um, uh, unionize hospitals and healthcare places and stuff like that hmm. uh, because of what's going on. And uh, and here's the other thing: um, the hospitality union is demanding dues from members that uh, um, are left unemployed by the coronavirus. So what they're saying is, even if you're off. Uh, you know, you're you're off work and not getting paid. We want your dues. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. I mean, and I want just our listeners' benefit. There's some unions that are good. I mean, especially the uh, the trade unions, but uh, there's some unions that are not good. They don't provide value to the members. They uh, simply want the dues. They invest the dues in politics to the uh, Democrat Party, and it becomes this kind of vicious cycle of. Uh, getting dues, ship them off to the Democrats, and getting support from the Democrats in order to support the union. So, uh, and that's not good. I mean, you, you need to be able to demonstrate value, but provide value. And the problem I see, Dave, is that in many cases, people are in unions. They never voted to be in the union. They've been members for 10 years, let's say, working at one particular place. It was unionized many years ago. They don't have an opportunity to revote this thing. That's right. And if you... You know, my my second book, The Devil at Our Doorstep, came out in late April 2012, and I wrote blogs for four and a half, five years after that. And I wrote a couple blogs on on things like that, that, uh, you know, uh, union members need the opportunity to vote themselves um, to see if they want to continue the union. They need to have an election every three years. And, uh, you know, of course, the unions don't want to do that. Right. And the big labor bosses, they're the ones that are really the problem. And, uh, you know, it's... um, and. Hospitals, I told you about, uh, the big article on that one is big labor union bosses target hospitals. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, of course, they're vulnerable right now. Their, their uh, workers are in harm's way. We're so grateful for what they're doing. They're by taking a risk, a health risk, by uh, being there to serve those that are in need. Uh, and uh, certainly the unions, I'm sure, are capitalizing on that. Yeah, and it's sad, you know, instead of helping protect and praising these frontline workers are trying to take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dave, uh, you're a business owner. Uh, you know, Executive Management Services is a big company. 
Uh, and uh, you know, right now we're in the midst of this pandemic. Any thoughts or reflections on how you're handling it, what's going on? Well, you know, we're uh, an essential business because we have to be out there cleaning places up and sanitizing and stuff like that. So we're paying, playing, staying pretty busy. Mm-hmm. But there's a sad side to it. Also, we've got uh, several customers that have just uh, shut down their buildings. And, um, you know, so we have employees that, um, you know, don't have places to go to work. And um, and these people aren't paying their bills during while they're shut down. Mm-hmm. So we're not getting any money in to, to cover that kind of stuff, and it's it's kind of sad. And we really need to reopen the uh, the, the country and the economy in that. And uh, you know, there are um, some states that, of course, I think you probably heard that um, uh, the president came out and said that uh, he believes that uh, each state has to make their own decision on reopening things and stuff like that. Yeah, which I think is good, um, but he needs to open up some things too. But uh, one thing nice here in the Midwest, um, yet um, we, we've got a group of bipartisan governors in seven Midwestern states, Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, who have outlined a new coalition similar to those formed by leaders along the east and west coast that are looking at opening up the Midwest. Which is great. Now, uh, of course, some of those, like uh, Governor Whitmer in Michigan... <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I, okay, here's a, a, a headline that I, I found. Michigan Governor Whitmer defends abortions during the pandemic as part of, quote-unquote, life-sustaining health care. <laughs> I know. Yeah, she is, she is totally off the, the wall. And, uh, you know, she, the things she doesn't say are so hypocritical. Yeah. Uh, it's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, you've got uh, people up there that are uh, out on the streets, uh, protesting against her and um you know and, and you're talking about employees and uh and other people that are tired of things that she's trying to do that are really hurting them instead of helping them absolutely and of course uh, there's uh, four sheriffs up there in one county that said you know what we're not going to enforce her mandates because we don't think it's constitutional which i really applaud them for for doing that they have took an oath to uphold the united states constitution and She's what she's saying, uh, asking them to do is unconstitutional. They said, basically, we're not going to do it, which is great. Yep, and that's good, and that's uh, that's the way it needs to run. I mean, that's the way our country was founded, and uh, I'm glad to see those people standing up and, and uh, helping these people who are being pushed uh, or having things taken away from them by the governor. All right. So, I mean, what you outlined, though, uh, you know, fortunately, your business is uh, your essential business, your pretty well off. You've outlined a couple of things that are going on that are really hurting people and some of your employees, which is really sad. But, uh, I mean, the devil's in the details. I think a lot of these businesses are on the real precipice here. If we don't get things back to work, we're going to lose our economy. Yeah, and that's what I'm afraid of, too. And, uh, you know, even some of our, um, this past week, a couple of our pretty good-sized customers have filed bankruptcy. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> Now, in talking to them, though, they think they're going to come out of it okay and that, um, you know, people like us will still get paid and everything, but uh, they're just having to, you know, cover the problems they're having because of this coronavirus. Very sad indeed. I think we're going to see a lot of that going on. And then, of course, what's going to happen to the states? They're not getting the tax revenue. I mean, there's a, 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 this is all a, a, it's a domino effect. So we're going to see budgets that are really strained and on, on a state level. Businesses going out of business. Good people. They're not, it's not no fault of their own. This, this pandemic came along. And it's, uh, I guess the real lesson here, though, is that as individuals, as businesses, as country as a country as uh, a state we need to be setting aside uh, money to to take care of these things when they happen because they are going to occur from time to time well that's right and uh, but the other thing bob is and i've talked about this to you on the show before is that uh, uh, a lot of this is overblown and is causing this thing to, to escalate late like i don't know if you saw they came out and said that uh, uh, deaths have increased uh, uh, quite a few here and uh, up to what about 4,500 or so in the country. Yeah. And um, when you look at that, um, uh, that's, and, and this is just during the last couple of days, it's increased by uh, two, 2,000 to 2,500, something like that. And, but if you look at that, because uh, yeah, now it's up to 4,591. 
uh, in 24 hours. Yeah. And just on Wednesday, it was at 2569. And, um, but you look at this, a lot of that came from New York, uh, saying that they feel there's another 3,000 desks in, in New York. And, and some, a lot of it was based on not, uh, any testing or anything like that. It's right. just things they threw out there. So this stuff gets sewn into the newspapers and, uh, of course the media just blows it up and Absolutely. tries to make Trump look bad. Absolutely. You know? Dave Beagle, again, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. It's a great read. You can't even believe, you can't make this stuff up. I encourage you to get a copy of the book, The Devil at Our Doorstep. Visit Dave's website, thedevilatourdoorstep.com. And, of course, you can get a copy of the book on my website, bobharden.com, at a nice discount. Dave, genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on, and have a great weekend, and be safe. You as well. Thank you, Dave. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, have any comments, you can send me an email at bobharden.com. Uh, dot, uh, at hotmail.com. Also sign up for the newsletter that I send out after each show. I uh, hope you join us on Monday. We have great guests lined up. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>